0: You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is The Saving of Israel. Hello my radio friends, again it's good to be with you and it's good to share God's Word, the Bible. When you watch the television news it is mostly bad news about accidents, injury, death, dishonesty, abuse, failure, disease, conflict and other types of negativity. It makes one wonder why anyone would be interested in that sort of stuff. While all the time there is good news to be had, that news is to be found in the Bible. What we get from the Bible is about God's extreme love and extreme sacrifice. God loves you intensely. Yes, I mean you and wants to give you the best gift you could ever wish for, the gift of salvation, that is, the gift of eternal life. Could anyone beat that? And it doesn't cost you anything. It is absolutely free for you, if you are willing to take up God's kind offer. God is wanting you, is waiting for you, you, why don't you say yes to him today? After all, the alternatives are not worth having. Say yes to Jesus. Say, Yes, Lord, I'm willing to have my sins forgiven. Please forgive me for all the things I've done wrong and take me into your saved family. I can tell you from personal experience that it is a wonderful thing to be free of sin and guilt. It is a wonderful thing to know that the king of the universe cares for you and has made provision to have you in his eternal kingdom. But ultimately, the choice is yours. In the last program we looked at something which is commonly held a commonly held belief among certain Christian groups where a new interpretation has been applied to the time-honoured prophecy in Daniel 9 about the 70 weeks, or that is the 490 years. Deviously, an interpretation has been developed to break the last week of the prophecy off from the other 69 weeks and shift it into some unknown future time. And with that, an interpretation of end time events has developed and this includes rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem and the saving of the Jewish nation. As has been previously stated, I do not agree with this interpretation and I have shared with you the origins of the interpretation. But today we will look into another facet of the interpretation and see what the Bible has to say about it. We will examine what the Bible says about the saving of the Jews. Anyone who knows anything about the Bible will probably know that originally God chose a group of people to represent him to the other nations round about. We're talking about the Israelites, the Jews. By the way, the term Jew probably comes from the name Judah, one of the Israelite family groups. Despite warnings through various prophets, the Israelites got involved with other pagan people groups and became involved in idolatry, that is, the worship of idols. God tried time after time to get the people to honour him, but alas, they failed to do that and continued on in their pagan pursuits. In the end, God had to get another people group to stand up for him and to show the rest of the world what a wonderful advantage people would have if they honoured and served him. So, in this important prophecy given in Daniel 9, God told Daniel that 70 weeks, that is 490 years, would be determined upon his people. After that, they would cease to be His special people. Note that. After the 490 years, they would cease to be His special people. The prophecy said, 77s are decreed for your people, for your holy city, to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin. And we have traced the events leading up to AD 34. When, after the Jews killed Jesus, the one who came to save them, they persecuted and killed the Christians. God could not allow the Jews to represent him when they were killing his faithful followers. So he had no choice but to abandon them. They were of no use to him any more. Jesus also reiterated what the prophet Daniel had spoken of. Jesus was addressing the Jews on one occasion, and he said, Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. And that's from Matthew chapter 21, verse 43. At another time, Jesus, referring to the Jewish nation, said, Look, your house is left to you desolate. That's from Matthew 23, verse 38. Coupled with, at the murder of Jesus, the ripping of the curtain between the holy place and the most holy place, signifying that the animal sacrifices were no longer needed, plus the two statements of Jesus as well as the words in the prophecy in Daniel 9, it seems incontrovertibly clear that God had cancelled the Jews' special commission and special position. The Jews had broken the covenant and were now fired, so to speak. That covenant was finished, all washed up, not because God had broken it, but because the people had. Their religious practices were nothing more than a show and a continual round of useless ceremonies and man-made regulations and rules which did not bring people close to God. In fact, it drove them away. Yet, despite all that, some people still say that the Jews are God's covenant people and that they will all be saved. Where does this idea come from? Probably it comes from a verse in Romans chapter 11 verse 26 which says and so all Israel will be saved. Now, before jumping to any conclusions, we need to consider who Israel is. There are two main possibilities. One, it could mean the Jews, or two, it could mean someone else. Let us consider the first possibility, that it simply means the Jews. If the text refers to the Jews, that is, the Jewish nation, then there are some difficult hurdles to jump regarding what Jesus said, and also about the ripping of the curtain in the temple and what the prophecy in Daniel 9 had to say. How could all the Jews be saved when some of them were murderers, when many of them worshipped idols, And indulged in sinful practices. How could these people be saved? Does God have no standards and let any old Joe blow into his kingdom whether they honour him or not? If that is the case then the kingdom of God would be full of sinners and people who indulged in sinful practices. That would be no better than what exists on planet Earth right now. The Bible tells me that God's kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. Bad people will have no place in it. And then there is the question of who is a Jew. Does it mean a full-blood Jew, a half-caste, quarter-caste or sixteenth-caste? Does it mean both living and dead Jews? And then we have to consider these texts. The first is from Acts 16 verses 20 and 21. A question was asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And then Paul and Silas replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And what about the most well-known text in the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Here we have a big problem. Because Orthodox Jews do not believe that Jesus was the Messiah but the Bible says it is necessary to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. If all the Jews will be saved at the, return of the Jesus, at the return of Jesus, as this new teaching says, then we have a contradiction, as being saved involves an acceptance of Jesus as the Messiah. I strongly believe that that the teaching that all the Jews will be saved is based on very shallow theology and cannot be supported by the rest of Scripture. Personally, I think this teaching is utter rubbish, a dramatic deception, and should not be accepted nor tolerated. Now we're going to stop for a little musical break and then we'll come back to this subject afterwards. piece of music was Michael rode the boat ashore and that was performed by the English Chorale just before the break I was pointing out that one of the problems with all the Jews being saved is that it is necessary to believe that Jesus is the Messiah before being saved and as a general rule The Jews do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Some of them are still waiting for him. Now, let us look at the other alternative as to who Israel is. And I said to you just before the break, there are two possibilities that all Israel from that text from Romans means the Israelite nation. The Jews, or it could mean someone else. After the dismissal of national Israel from being God's special people, God chose someone else to bear the message of the good news of salvation to the world, and that was Christians. In Romans 9 6, the Apostle says, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. That's interesting. He's saying that those who have a Jewish heritage are not necessarily Israel. This is coming from someone who formerly was a zealous Jewish Pharisee. And then he says in Galatians 3.26. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. As you heard, the Apostle Paul is noting that there is no advantage in being Jewish. And then, to emphasize the point, he adds, Understand then that those who believe are the children of Abraham. What he's saying here is that a believer, one of God's saved people, can be called Israel. It has nothing to do with being Jewish or being a physical descendant of Abraham. All Christians who have accepted the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus are God's special people as one of the Israelites, by the name that is. Furthermore, in Galatians 3.29 we read, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. It's fairly obvious, isn't it, that Christians are being called Israel in the text Romans 11.26 is talking about. Quoting from a prophecy in the book of Hosea, Romans 9.25 states, I will call them my people who are not my people. This is fantastic news for you and me. We Christians who may have no Jewish heritage have become God's special people, saved and given the special responsibility to bring the good news of salvation to others. Of course, all Israel will be saved, but not national Israel. It will be true Christians. That's the Israel the Apostle Paul was talking about. But does that mean that no Jews will be saved at all? No, Jews can be saved, but saved as individuals like anyone else. They will not be saved as a nation. The Bible records in the book of Acts chapter 2, how about 3,000 Jews were converted in one day, that day being the day of Pentecost. You may be aware that some Jews have accepted Jesus as the Messiah and accept the fact that he died for their sins and is their substitute. They are known as Messianic Jews and are Christians, but they still retain some Jewish customs that are not in conflict with Christianity. They still worship on God's holy day, the Sabbath although, sadly, the majority of people who call themselves Christians don't. I've actually met a Messianic Jew who was previously a Jewish rabbi. He recognised that Jesus was indeed the Saviour, but he kept up the Jewish tradition without telling anyone. Secretly, he believed the fundamental beliefs which Christians hold dear. When his fellow rabbis discovered he believed in Jesus as his personal saviour, they bashed him up and threw him out of the synagogue. Previous to that, he had been a privileged person. He was ostracised and none of his fellow rabbis would talk to him or have anything to do with him. He was not allowed to go back to where he lived to collect any of his possessions, money or clothing. He could not even access his bank account. It was through the kindness of an influential Christian friend that he managed to get his life back together. But the Jews would have absolutely nothing to do with him. It makes me think of how the Jews treated Jesus. They were merciless, and as you know, were only satisfied when Jesus was murdered. Collectively, the Jews are a lost people. They have now no special advantages or privileges. They can only be saved through personal acceptance of Jesus as their Saviour, and by committing their lives to him. The Apostle Paul had this to say also, and it's found in Romans 11, verses 13 and 14. I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. You may know that Paul was considered the apostle to the Gentiles, that is, the non-Jews. But here he is saying that he had put a lot of effort to preach to the Jews in order to save some of them at least. He is implying clearly that not all the Jews would be saved because he was trying to save at least some of them. One of the signs that a male was a Jew was that he would have been circumcised. That is, the foreskin of his penis would have been surgically removed. Of course, there are others who are not Jewish who have had that procedure done, and doctors sometimes recommend it for health reasons. The Bible records the terminology. Those who were Jews were often referred to as the circumcised and any non-Jews as the uncircumcised. In Galatians 5.6, the Bible says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then there is this statement in Romans 2.26. If those who are not circumcised keep the law's requirements, will they not be regarded as though they were circumcised? What this latter text is saying, that non-Jews who become Christians become God's special people. Well, we must finish for today, but I want to say to you, don't be sucked in by the current teaching that has pervaded many modern Christian churches, that at the second coming of Christ all the Jews will suddenly be saved. It is a false teaching and has been produced because of very shallow theology without seeing what the rest of Scripture has to say. That false teaching will appeal to those who like sensationalism and who are not prepared to probe the Word of God to see what it really has to say. Again, I want to say to you, do not accept ideas like this, even if it comes from someone you may trust and respect me included. Check what the Bible says and then you can be sure. The all Israel who will be saved are earnest Christians who have accepted the saving grace of God and live lives where they obey and honour God. And so, until next week, my friends, I wish you, as always, God's blessing, peace and happiness.